praise God. As it is for the Yerevasi. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just going to ask uh, Pastor Chantel to greet you and then also just pray for us. Amen. Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, we are born to conquer. Come on, we are born to conquer. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. <laughs> More than overcomers. So I don't know where you find yourself this evening. Maybe you find yourself in a dark place. Maybe you're going through challenges with this health. I've come to tell you to be strong, to be courageous, for the Lord your God is with you. He will not leave you, nor will he forsake you. Amen. The Bible says, uh, uh, though uh, people that know their God, they will be mighty and they will do great exploits. We know our God in the power of his resurrection. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your servant. Lord, Father, thank you, Lord, that you will use him mightily and powerfully. Thank you, Father God, that you, will, that you will intercede on our behalf. Thank you for our hearts that is open wide, that your word will not fall along the path. It will not fall on rocky ground, oh, Father God, but it will fall on good soil. Thank you, Lord, for your seed that will multiply, that this word will be shared. It will be a to our life, Father. So, Father, I thank you for your anointing in this place, Father. I thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders, Father, that will happen for those who believe in Jesus' name. Thank you that our faith will be boosted, Father, that we will be challenged with your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's give Jesus praise. Come on. Let's just put our hands together and give Jesus praise. Amen. Well, um, it's good to be here. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Pastor Gustav, in his absence, and uh, Pastor Lanzel, Pastor Natasha, Pastor Ulrich, and all the pastors and leaders that are here. Uh, thank you for having me. It's such an honor, and it's such a privilege. It's nooit iemand se reg om die woord te bedien. It is altyd a voorreg. And it is my voorreg om die woord van hier aan u voor te hou vanavond. And uh, this is my sixth message for the weekend. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's somebody that always tells me, it's David, the over the four I said, you've almost a pastor. So uh, I want to turn your attention uh, to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And um, I, 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 the, the worship team was, was leading us very well. Thank you so much to the Lovedal worship team. And uh, there's two songs that you sang that had the word rise up in it. And so my message tonight is titled, Rise Up and Walk. Touch your neighbor, say, rise up and? So rise up and walk. So John chapter 5, I'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 15. Reading from verse 1 to verse 15. Can we stand for the reading of the word? <coughs> The Bible says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, was a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. Somebody say Bethesda. Bethesda. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, 
the lame, the paralyzed. One was there, was an invalid for 38 years. Yeah, it's a long date. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Ask your neighbor, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me to the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. That somebody say, it's time to rise up. And say to him, it's time to walk. You may take your seats. <clears throat> the, there are four Gospels in, in, in the Bible. You know, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is known as the Synoptic Gospels because it gives a, sub, a, a subnosis of the life of Jesus. And to a large extent, these three Gospels are very similar in terms of the stories that they tell. The John, John's gospel is something a bit different. John is in a class of his own. John who wrote the gospel of John was one of the disciples of Jesus. In fact, it is believed that he was the, he was the youngest disciple. So he was the one who sat next to Jesus at the table when they were reclining. Remember, they didn't have seats. They were sitting and they were reclining, they were leaning and it's believed that this John would lean with his head against Jesus' chest. So he was very close to Jesus. Not just in a physical sense, even when Jesus ascended, we find that it is John who gave us and wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then he wrote the book of Revelations. He wrote the book of the Revelations. There was some deep revelation that he had with, uh, that, that Jesus gave him because of his proximity. Your proximity to Jesus is important. Your intimacy with him is important. Because the level of your intimacy will determine the level of your revelation of him and of his love. So it's not just good enough to come to church on a Sunday and then the rest of the week you forget about him. You know, we need to journey with him, walk with him. And the closer you get to him, the more you will hear him. Because we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a dumb God. We serve a God that can speak and he's still speaking. In fact, Jesus says that man shall not live on bread alone, but he shall live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, John calls himself in his writing the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
or the beloved disciple. Now, I don't know if you don't think that's weird. No? It's like, it's like saying, um, you know, three pastors. Pastor Galen, Pastor Ulrich, uh, and what is your name? William. William. We went. Uh, we, we decide we're going to go for lunch. Now, afterwards, I, I write to Pastor Gustav to tell him what happened. So I write to Pastor Gustav. I say, Pastor Gustav, William, Pastor Ulrich, and the pastor that Jesus loved. You, you, you understand? So, so John had, a, had an understanding of the love of Jesus. In fact, he defines that love in, in, in one of his epistles. He says this, this is love, not that we have loved him, but that he has loved us. That when you live in close proximity to the Lord, you will know that your life is not driven by your love for him, but rather by his love for you. If, if my love was defined by my love for him, this car would have stopped a long time ago. It would have ran out of petrol a long time ago. But I am still going, you know why? Because he loves me. <laughs> he loves me. And so, John uses, you know, you'll see that the way that John wrote this particular gospel is, is quite interesting. For instance, he chose certain sayings of Jesus. There are seven I am sayings of Jesus. And there are seven miracles that he chose to, to show that who Jesus was. For instance, he started out with um, uh, Jesus turning water into wine. And he showed that Jesus was Lord over quantity. He can change, sorry, he changed quality. He's Lord of a quality because he could change the quality of water and turn it into wine. Then he also shows us the, the multiplications of the five loaves and the two fish. And there he shows us that Jesus is Lord over quantity. He shows us that Jesus can walk on water. He shows us that he is Lord over gravity. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He shows us that Jesus is Lord of life. And now in this passage we see he comes to a layman and he healed him. And that shows you that he is Lord over paralysis. Hallelujah. And it's very interesting that John doesn't use the word dunamis to, exp to explain the miracles. He's using the word samion. Dunamis power put the emphasis on the power. Simeon, which means signs, he translated as signs, puts the emphasis on Jesus. See, there are two kinds of road signs that you get. You get a warning sign, and then you get a directive sign. A warning sign warns you. And then there's a, a, a direction sign. So if you go out, you will see there's a sign that shows N1. Are you with me? Now, you don't go and stand by the sign because that's now your destination. No, 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 yo, here's the sign, so now, now this is where I'm supposed to be. No, the sign points you somewhere. Are you with me? 
So John's gospel is written in such a way that it, the, the emphasis is not on the power, but the emphasis the, 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 the emphasis is on the one who performs the power. Are you with me? And so true believers of Jesus, even if signs, wonders, and miracles follow you, the emphasis is not how wonderful you are. It's not how quiet you are. It's not about your faith. If you're a true believer of Jesus, you, you, that miracles and those signs will point to the one who performed it. Somebody say signs. And, and, and this is what John, why John wrote this gospel in, in John 20, uh, 20 chap, uh, chapter 20, verse 30 to 31. He, he, he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he didn't give a synopsis of the life of Jesus. He didn't give a synopsis of the life of Jesus. So what did he give? He gave you important revelation, information that will cause you to believe upon the Lord Jesus. And by believing that you may have life. There are three words in Greek for life. Now, I don't claim to be a Greek scholar. The only Greek that I actually know is the guy that sells the fish and chips around the corner. <laughs> there are three words. The first word is bios. Bios means biological life. Your, 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 your walking life, your talking life, your eating life. It has to do with your physical life. Then there's the word uh, uh, suki. That's where we get the word psyche from. That's your mental life, your emotional life. Your mind, your soul. And then there's the Zoe life. Zoe life is kingdom life. It's God kind of life. It's the life that can only be infused by the Holy Spirit. It's a life that only comes through Jesus Christ. No amount of money can give it to you. No amount of fun can give it to you. No amount of girlfriends and boyfriends can give it to you. No amount of drugs can give it to you. No amount of religiology can give it to you. It only comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. Because he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus comes onto the scene and he says, if anyone has the son, he has life. If you don't have the son, you don't have life. You can still sing, it's my life. That's all that is. It's your life. But the life is only found in Jesus. It's only found in him. The Zoe life. The kingdom life. A life that's transformed. A life that is infused by the spirit of the living God. So, I want to focus on, on, on three things today. The context. Number one, the context. The second thing that I want to focus on is the condition. And the third thing that I want to focus on is the cure. So if, if you consider the context of what we read, it is playing itself out in, at Bethesda. Somebody say Bethesda. Bethesda was a pool, and uh, it was surrounded by five covered colonnades. A colonnade is a group of pillars together. 
and there were five of them. Five is very interesting because five represents grace. Grace. But not only do we detect that this place was a place of grace by virtue of the five colonnades, it is in the name, Beth Sheba. Beth means house. Sheba or Seder means mercy or grace. It's the house of mercy. It's the house of grace. It is a picture of the church where people come to receive grace. But it's very interesting that there was a man, the Bible says, that was there for 38 years. And this man was at the house of grace and he never received grace. He was at the house of grace, but he never received grace. How many of you are in the house of grace for many years and you feel like you've never received grace? You see others getting healed and you're still sick. You're seeing others getting their breakthrough and you're still sitting there. I said this morning, there were people in our church that we prayed for with cancer, uh, uh, stage four, and God healed them. And there were people that had cancer stage two and they still die. How that worked, I don't know. But many times you find yourself in the place of grace without receiving that grace. So the pool of Bethesda speaks of healing. It speaks of grace. But time and time again, this man seemed to have been disappointed. The previous miracle that happened in the previous chapter was the, the, the healing of, of the royal official's son. Where he came to Jesus and he said, just speak the word. And Jesus spoke the word and, the, and, and, and he was healed. But I want you to see the difference here. The royal official was a man of influence. The man in our story is a nobody. Nobody, a nobody to the extent that there was no one even to help him up. The royal official came to Jesus. But in our story, Jesus came to the man. The, the royal official knew who Jesus was. This man had no clue who Jesus was. The royal official and his whole household believe as a result of this miracle. And we find that this man actually betrayed Jesus. <laughs> two different stories. Two different ways in which God brought, Jesus brought healing to someone. Two different outcomes. Let me say this to you. Miracles are no, are no guarantee that people will believe. No, we must move, we must move in miracles and movement. Wonderful. If miracles were guaranteed that people would believe, why is it that after Jesus raised a man from the dead, they still wanted to stone him? They still wanted to kill him? Am I making sense? Yes, the Bible says, these signs will follow those that believe in my name. They will, they will, they will cast out demons in my name. They will heal the sick in my name. Uh, they will speak in new tongues. And then it says, if they, if they drink, if they, if they, if they, if they, uh, if they, uh, touch snakes, uh, they will not be killed. If they drink poison, you know, they will not die. So I brought a, a few snakes and I brought some poison. <laughs> you want to check who believes tonight? <laughs> so that 
that's the context, but there was a crisis. This man was in a crisis. The, the NIV called this man an invalid. Other translations calls him a paralytic. Others call him paralyzed. Others call him impotent. Other synonyms for this man in our story could be that he was powerless. He was ineffective. He was inadequate. He was weak. He was useless. He was worthless. He was futile. He was unsuccessful. He was unproductive. He was fruitless. He was profitless. Come on, say it in Afrikaans. I was a nil of a contract. This is this man's story. For 38 years, he added no value to his own life and he added no value to anybody else's life. A fruitless life that he lived. But he was in the house of grace. Hmm. There are many believers that are like this man. They're in the house of God. They come to church. They come and sit. But for all these years that they've been saved, all that they can talk about, I'm safe for 20 years. I'm safe for 30 years. <laughs> but in those 30 years, you never grew. You got your BA degree. You got your honors. You got your master's degree. And you got your PhD in grade one. It is important that we understand that our faith gets tested and our faith gets tested for a reason so that we can mature. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me shock some of you here today. That God is not very concerned about your happiness. I find no proof in scripture that God is concerned about your happiness. But he's concerned about your maturity. He's concerned about your maturity. The promised land for the believer is not a bigger car, a greater house, better miracles. As wonderful as those are. But that is not the promised land for the believer. The promised land for the believer is maturity. Hebrews 6 makes it clear. It says, therefore, somebody say therefore. Therefore, let us leave the elementary principles of Christ. And let us go on towards maturity. The problem is that we are at elementary stage for many years. Come on. And, and, and let me tell you something. It's not because you, know, you don't know the Bible. Knowing the Bible doesn't make you a mature believer. It is doing the Bible. It's doing the Bible. You being able to quote scriptures from Genesis and Revelation and give it to me like this doesn't say anything unless you do it. Jesus' indictment against the Pharisees was that they know the Bible. They know what you ought to do. And then he says, do what they tell you, but don't do what they do. Because what they tell you is not what they are doing. And you cannot see a man's maturity in his gift. Don't be fooled by gifts. Jesus said, in that day, many will say, in your name, we healed the sick. In your name, we drove our demons. And then he says, I don't know you. Go away from me. I've never known you. 
It doesn't mean that they're not operating in signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, and miracles is wonderful, but it doesn't tell you about the maturity of the person. It is in applying the word of God to your life. I'd rather know little and do everything that I know than to do, know a whole lot and not doing anything. Hallelujah. How is that for a Sunday evening service? <laughs> so this man was a paralytic. He was fruitless in, the, in, in, in God, John's gospel chapter 15. Jesus showed, shows us five levels of fruitfulness. No fruit, some fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and lasting fruit. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, at which level are you? At which level are you? Praise God. We thank God that you know the Bible and that you know that long verse that says Jesus wept. <laughs> we thank God. That you're always on time for church. We thank God that you sing wonderfully in the band and in the worship team. We thank God that you are giving your money when it's asked for. But let me tell you something. The question is how, many, how much fruit are you bearing? How much, how much fruit are you bearing? Jesus talks about lasting fruit. This is how you bear lasting fruit. This is how you know you'll bear lasting fruit. Is that your life makes such an impact that it touches four generations from you. Four generations. Paul writes to Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, the things that you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. He says, entrusted to faithful men who will be qualified to teach others also. Can I just get four guys quickly? Four, four quickly. Praise God. Four, four guys. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Four guys. Shaman. Shaman. Is, is, is that your mom? That will teach you not to sit next to her. <laughs> so this is Paul. This is Timothy. This is faithful men. This is others. Okay, who's this? Paul. I'm Timothy. Faithful men. Others. Yeah, let's wrap in there. So, Paul says, Paul says to Timothy, the things that you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust it to reliable men, will teach others also. Paul is the first generation in and, in and of himself, he's fruitful. He's got Timothy. In and of himself, he says, Now, Timothy, that you heard me say these things. Now, train it and teach it to faithful men. And they are qualified to teach others. Why? Because they've been to Bible school and they've got PhDs. Oh, no, no, because they've got a lot of money. No, because they are faithful. And their faithfulness qualify them to teach others. Do you see four generations? I want you to see this. This would have been no fruit. This is now some fruit, 
more fruit, much fruit, lasting fruit. You're getting it. <laughs> the, the, you see, if you just come to church for yourself and you are growing, it's wonderful. It is just some fruit. And now you take on the challenge that, that I'm sure here at Lovedale you're being challenged all the time. It's time to make disciples. Now you, you, you have your cell. You know, and you are walking with those men. Or you're walking with those women. And, 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 and now you understand you've moved from, from, from some fruit to more fruit. But you just had more fruit. But it's only when you get to this generation that you have much fruit. Then you can actually say, you know, I've got much fruit. Meaning that, the, that, that as, as Paul, the life that you have touched, Timothy, has become fruitful in and of himself, and now he's also touching somebody else's life that's becoming fruitful in and of himself. And then he is becoming fruitful in and of himself. And now when it gets here, it is lasting fruit. It's four generations that you touched and you know, listen here, this is lasting fruit. I have a lasting legacy. Ah, a lasting legacy. If it only st stops with me, You've got no legacy. Ons gaan hard heil by jou begrafnis. Oh, ons gaan vir jou mooi kus koop. Halleluja. Ons gaan al die, you know, you know, elke kerk het hy, die dierbares, you know, hy het niks nodig om te heil. Sorry. What I'm saying is that, what I'm, what I'm saying is that we will, we will cry at your funeral. I just need to, sorry for those that don't understand Afrikaans. We will cry at your funeral. We will genuinely cry at your funeral. And then we will line up those wayless in the church. You know? Those that, that, that they, they, they don't even know. Look, there are people in our church, I'm sure he as well. Sometimes we ask them to come and help at funerals, and then they also cry, but they don't even know the people. <laughs> We will get those people, we will get those people to also come. I'll, I'll bring my people as well, my whalers will also come. And we will cry at your funeral, and we will have a nice, uh, beautiful coffin, and Pastor Gustav will even put on a rope, and we will give you a good send-off. Hallelujah. But that means that you died and you maybe just had some fruit. Some fruit because you just came for yourself. How can you say that you love God, but you don't love your brother? How do we express real love? If somebody is not saved, we share the gospel with them. If they are saved, we disciple them. Are you with me? Let's give them a big God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> so, According to John 15, verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear, no, that you may bear fruit and fruit that will last. So you have been chosen. It's like I say. We love to say, I'm chosen. I'm appointed. And then, for what? You've been chosen. You've been appointed. 
For what? To bear lasting fruit. That's the call on your life. That's the prophetic call on your life, man. I wish we had more prophets that can come and say, listen here, the prophetic call on your life is that you bear much fruit. And that we have less of these fluffy prophets. And they will open a door here, and they will open a door here. It's all fluff, all fluff. There's no depth there. No depth. Do you see, when a, when a soccer team, where's all the United fans? United, 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 United fans. There's a, for you guys, there's a special room. Special room. I don't know where, but there's some special room here. And we will, and yeah, we will, and I just wanted to say we need to do some deliverance on them, but anyway. <laughs> so, so, so let's, let's. See, if we say a team has depth, what does it mean? It means that they've got their first players or their first team. But then they have their second team that's as good as the first team. And then they have their third team that's as good as the second and the first team. And then they have their fourth team. That's as good as the third, the second, and the fourth team. Then you can say that team has depth. Am I making sense? Now let me ask you, the people that you are impacting, have they come to a place where they are as good as you are in your character? I'm not talking about gifting and talents. And that's overrated. Honestly, that's, that's over, overrated. Gifts are gifts. God has given it to you. Character. Jesus, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow, as I follow Christ. And in following Christ, it's about taking on his image. When we talk about maturity, what does maturity look like? Maturity look like Jesus. Maturity look like? It's Christ-likeness. That's what maturity is. And I want you to understand that you and I have been caught. Do you want a prophetic word tonight? I'll give you a prophetic word. This is the prophetic word from the heart of the master. You have been chosen and you've been appointed to bear lasting fruit. To bear? That's your neighbor say you are chosen. Say you are appointed to bear lasting fruit. The third point that I want to make is the cure. So I've spoken to you about the context, the condition. Now I want to speak to you about the cure. In this passage of scripture, Jesus only speaks three times. The first time he speaks, he asks a question. The second time he speaks, he gives an instruction. And the third time he speaks, he issues a warning. The first time he speaks, he asks the question. And the question that he asks is, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you know why some people don't get healed? It's not because God isn't able to heal them. No, I'm not saying all of them, just some people. There are some people that just don't want to be healed. You know why? Because then they've got nothing to talk about. <laughs> Hallelujah. They, they won't have nothing to talk about because their main subject is my arthritis, my diabetes, 
my heart. Come on. And all that comes, a true story. <laughs> and all that comes out of their mouth is my sickness, my disease, my this, my that. And the question that you ask them, do you want to build? Yeah, yes, yes. But I'm thinking, then you have nothing to say. <laughs> Come on. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be fruitful? Do you want to be multi? Come on. If you say yes to that appointment, let me tell you something. Get ready for discomfort. Because growth is never comfortable. Ask some parents, if you're not a parent, ask some parents. You know, when that baby arrived, it was nappies. It was nappies. Look, look when our kids were small, you know, it was still the, it was still the towel nappies. Oh, we could only afford, we could only afford throwaway nappies when we go out. <laughs> and so as a gift for her grandkids, my mom bought a whole lot of towel nappies. I mean, we had enough towel nappies. And so, when it was my turn, the DNA of that towel nappy became a disposable nappy. <coughs> you know? My wife didn't know, understand why is the nappy getting less and less and less. <laughs> and, and then you have teething. Then you have the teething stage. My goodness gracious. It's the teething stage. And then they go to, to kindergarten or to crash. And they get amongst other kids. And then every second week, they have flu. I know there's some, some, some young parents that understand. They, they, they think it's just, just them. No, not just you. We've been there. <laughs> you know, then, then you send them to crash. And then every second week, it's flu. If it's not flu then it's a tummy issue, it's a tummy bug, or, you know, and, 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 and it never stops. It just never stops. And then they come to a place of being teenagers. <laughs> now they think they know it all. They wake up at the age of 13 or 14, and they have, have received a revelation. <laughs> The revelation is that my parents know nothing. <laughs> I know more than what they know. That's their revelation. And then they leave the house and you think, oh, thank God, good riddance. But then the problem doesn't stop. Now you worry more about them. You know, my, my, uh, um, our, our eldest son, is a is an educator in uh, in Kells River, so he moved, we live in Panorama, so he moved to to Kells River to Asenblau to be closer to his school. My daughter, twenty one, turned twenty one last year. Um, uh, started an internship at Voda World in uh, in Midrange in Joburg. So, yeah, I, I initially I thought, yeah, no, thank Jesus. Whew, one less. But it doesn't stop. The concerns, the worries. And, and, and my wife is keep, keep on asking, what did you cook? No, mommy, I didn't cook. I only cook once. 
and 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 it doesn't stop and this is this is what i'm saying that growth is not comfortable that's why i'm saying that god is not concerned about your comfort nor is he concerned about your happiness but he's concerned about your maturity maturing and growing in him and there's a price to be paid for that there's a price to be paid for that it doesn't just come automatic it takes discipline it takes discipline to spend time with jesus in the mornings it takes discipline to you know get done for a sunday evening service i know i'm speaking to the choir but i'm speaking to those people online that's supposed to be here it takes discipline it is not a, a easy life, but you've signed up to be a disciple for Jesus. But I can tell you this much, that your momentary trouble cannot compare to the glory that awaits you. It is narrow-minded to just think about this life and the now. There is rewards that will be issued. There will be crowns that will be distributed. When you, when you die, the Bible says it's destined for men to die once and thereafter the judgment. And then we face two judgment. If you have rejected Jesus, you go to the smoking section. <laughs> if you have accepted Jesus, you will be with God forever. And then, not only that, now there's rewards. Soul winners rewards. This, am I making sense to you? There are at least seven crowns that the Bible speaks about. So don't be so narrow-minded to think that all the rewards is in, on this side of the grave. There are some of you that ask the question, when is my breakthrough coming? Let me tell you, it might never come in this life. It might be awaiting for you when you leave this earth. And would you rather not live in a mansion forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? Come on. So we have, our perception is that we love the temporal more than the eternal. We love the temporal more than the eternal. Nobody lives forever. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you have a doctrine of, 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 of uh, immortality. It's destined for man to die once. And thereafter to face the judgment. Your D-Day is coming. <laughs> the Bible speaks about two days. It speaks about two days. It speaks about today. And then it speaks about the day. Today. The day. Today, when you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. While it is called today, encourage one another. Because the day is coming. So while it is the day, we have to labor. No, but we are under grace. Oh, Jesus, help you. Grace is not a license to be lazy. Grace is the divine empowerment of God so that you can fulfill your purpose and fulfill your call. Come on, somebody. So the question is, do you want to get well? 
Then after Jesus asked that question, he gave a threefold instruction. The first instruction is get up. Touch your neighbors, it's time to get up. This man was waiting for somebody to help him up, and Jesus just says, get up. In other words, get up by yourself. Don't wait for another person. Don't wait for another freebie. Don't wait for another, uh, an, another prayer. Don't wait for another altar call. Just get up. Come on, don't wait for another prophet to come and prophesy on you for you. Just get up. You have to get up. Israel's deliverance never came from outside of Israel. It always came from within Israel. Your deliverance is not from outside. It is on the inside of you. Hallelujah. All the atmosphere. Don't do this because the atmosphere. The atmosphere. The, oh, Jesus. The Holy Spirit infilling baptism power of God doesn't come from the atmosphere. Jesus says, if you believe in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will come forth from your inner man. When you, when you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. And when he baptizes you and empowers you for service, it doesn't come from the outside. It's not on top. It is inside. Those you know, you know the age of those people that were laughing. Yeah. <laughs> they just gave away the age. Some of the young people just say, wait, what? Why, why are you laughing? Why? There was a Cremora ad. You know, Cremora. It's not on the inside, it's on top. Now we say it's not on top, it is inside. And when God does something in your life, the Holy Spirit bubbles up on the inside of you. He baptizes you with power from on high. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Witnesses. Somebody say witnesses. That word means martyrs. Oh, Jesus. Martyrs. It means I will be willing to die for him. Being, being, being a witness. Watch this. It's not just witnessing. It's becoming a witness. It's not just receiving your deliverance, but you become a deliverer for other people. It's not just about being and getting, but it's also about giving and serving. Yeah. Get up, touch your neighbor, say get up. Yeah. Get up, get up. Now, now, the second instruction was pick up your mat. You can't pick up anything if you don't get up. <laughs> you can't pick up anybody if you don't get up yourself. How can you pick up your family but you're still lying. How can you pick up somebody if you're still down? Them being picked up is dependent on you getting up. Get up. Pick up your mat. The very thing that you've been laying on, lying on, depending on, that thing you need to carry. The thing that carried you all the time is now the thing that must that you must carry. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Let me, let me, let me put it this way to you. Your, your ceiling needs to now become your platform. Are you with me? It needs to become your platform. But you can't have it if you don't get up. Touch your neighbor, say get up. Get up. You may be a fruitless believer. 
You may even bear some fruit. Get up. You may even bear more fruit. Get up. You may even bear much fruit. Get up. Until you get to a place where you bear lasting fruit. And at the end of the day, it is not the tributes of men that will determine your destination. It is the opinion of one judge and one judge only. And that is Jesus. Watch this. When you board a plane during the safety routine, they let you know in the unlikely event of a lack of oxygen in the cabin, oxygen masks will be released from the panel above you. And then they say, first put on your own mask before you assist children and passengers. Why? Because how can you help somebody else if you're suffocating? Both of you are gone. What, what does that say to you? That says to you, you need to make sure. And, and let me, I always tell this story. Our, 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 I think our church never gets, I don't know if they get bored of it, but I don't care. I know it. So <laughs> <coughs> one, one day, one year we were, we were on holiday, myself and my wife and our kids. And we were in Mossel Bay. And that morning it drizzled. You know, and um, from from our hotel room to the dining room, the morning we we were supposed to walk. I think it's just a little stretch that we had to walk, you know, across. And so uh, there was no covering in, in, on, on from 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 the rooms to to where you needed to be. You know, I don't know if they changed it after that, but so I was so concerned about my family not falling because the the tiles were wet. So I'm so concerned, I'm, 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 I'm kind of holding them and, and, and trying to secure them. And guess what happened? <laughs> I plunged. Man, I, I, even if I wanted to get up quickly, I couldn't. <laughs> I've never known that your skin could be so many colors. It was purple, it was blue, it was green, it was all kinds of colors on me. You know, sometimes, I don't know, only afterwards I realized I could have sued that hotel. <laughs> I probably could have had some money now if I, if I, if, if I did it. And another event, I was, I was a youth leader for the Cryfontaine Assemblies of God many years ago. Um, that's where I met my wife. When she saw me, she said, this guy. <laughs> that's my version of the story. You know, if she has the mic, she'll give you another version. But that's my, they talk about truth, my truth. Okay, that's my truth. I don't know if it's the truth, but it's my truth. So, so, so I was leading this youth. And, we, and, and those years, they had the ice ring. You remember before Grand West? It was just the ice ring. So we took a bunch of our kids in the youth, and we are all we got into a, 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 a train, and we are we, we went to the ice rink. And as a good youth leader, I was giving them the rundown. Guys, please, don't try to be funny. Don't hurt yourself. Don't do. Nobody got hurt, <laughs> except <laughs> I got so hurt that I had to go for for. 
for physiotherapy for months. <laughs> for months. And this is the thing, the point that I'm trying to make is that, is that you're going to have to get up first. You have to make sure that you're secure. You have to make sure that, you know, you, you're spending time with God. You are praying that you are seeking the face of God. You make sure that you live a life of prayer, that you live a life of fasting. You make sure that your, 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 uh, your, your spiritual life is not just, you know, I, I take it as it comes, but you, you, you take initiative and you take responsibility. You get up. Touch your neighbor say, get up. Yeah. And now he says, pick up your mat. And then he says, the last instruction is walk. Walk. In other words, walk from the condition. Walk from your paralysis. Walk from being a paralytic. Walk from, from being fruitless. Walk from being unproductive. Walk. Walk. Get out of that mold. Walk. Don't stand there. Don't now know like the disciples wanted to build um, Jesus and Moses and Elijah on the mountain. They wanted to build them some, some huts so that they can stay there. Hallelujah. We praise God for the upper room experience, but you will never destined to stay in the upper room. You know, we have this Holy Ghost parties that never stop. Whatever that means. Holy Ghost party that never stop. But just down the road, somebody, somebody's daughter is getting raped. Whilst you have a Holy Ghost party that never stops. And we're so inward focus. We must walk away from our paralysis. Come on. Walk away from that which paralyzed you. Walk away from that which makes, which makes you fruitless. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. I've discovered that there's some Christians that are bad company. Because they don't talk about Jesus and the word. They talk about other people. They have little conversations and they have, they have, they have roast pasta for Sunday lunch. And they roast the, the, the poor pastor, shame. And the pastor's not even aware that, you know, he's, just, he's on the menu. And if they don't talk about the pastor, they talk about the pastor's spouse. If they don't know how the pastor's spouse, they talk about the kids. If they don't talk about the kids, they talk about the dog. Or, but they talk about something. Those are fruitless believers. If they've been around and they've been in church and they've never come to repentance in that area of your life, don't be afraid to cut yourself loose so that you can walk. Walk away from that kind of influence because bad company corrupts good character. If you're in that company, you will continue being fruitless. You're going to continue being unproductive. Rather spend some time with sinners that you can change with the gospel than a bunch of religious people that think they know better. They know better, but there's no fruit in their lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, pastor, you must never get that guy again. <laughs> ah, Jesus, not for a Sunday evening. We need to be encouraged. Hallelujah. I want to, I want to remind what, 
what Paul says. He says, I forget what is behind. And I strain for what is ahead. Forget what is behind. Don't get stuck with what is behind. Whether it's good or bad. Some people, when they talk, they talk about 1920. And how revival broke out. And how they just spent time with God. And how he, they win souls and they did this. 1920. 1920 is gone. They're still there. They're still at their Bethesda. They're still at their place of paralysis. They haven't moved on. As good as that is, we forget what is behind. Whether it is good or whether it is bad. I know that some of us had a bad run. We come from tremendous pain. I don't want to undermine your pain, but you need to get up from that. You need to take your mat and you need to walk. Mm. Now, Jesus warns this man. He gives him a warning. This is the last thing that he does. He gives them a warning. He says, see you are well again. Stop sinning. Touch your neighbor. Say, neighbor, stop sinning. Let's, let's, let's make it sound very spiritual. Say, neighbor, I sense the Lord is saying, you must stop sinning. Hallelujah. Now, 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 let me tell you something. Not all sickness is a result of one sin. We don't want to we understand that. Don't have to teach you that. But this man was in this place of paralysis because of his sin. You cannot be a sinful believer and be a fruitful believer at the same time. Your fruit shows that there's inaccuracies in your life. If you abide in Jesus and he abides in you, you will bear much fruit. So your fruitfulness in the kingdom is dependent not on your talent or your gifting. It is dependent on your abiding in him. You can make all kinds of excuses, but that's where it comes down to. You cannot be inaccurate in your life. And that's what sin means. It means to be inaccurate. It means to miss the mark. And you get sins of commission, sins that you commit, and then you get sins of omission. Now let me, let me tell you a secret today. That I am prone to backsliding. This heart of mine is prone to backsliding. I backslide quickly in my heart. May not backslide in my deeds and what I say, but yeah. Oh, good. I know you guys are not there. I, I know you, you are very spiritual. <laughs> very spiritual. That's why I need Jesus. That's why I need to be in his presence on a daily basis. That's why I need to read his word so that he can speak to me. That's why I cannot afford not to pray. That's why I cannot afford not to read my Bible and get revelation from the scripture for my life. That's why I cannot, there's some of us that are so mature and so wonderful that, you know what, we take our Bibles when we come to church on a Sunday and then we close it and then we come back next Sunday and then we remember we've got a Bible. 
We've got all kinds of apps on our phones. But do you have a Bible app on your phone? Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. Most of us, many of us are more on Facebook. We need to get our faces out of Facebook and get our faces into the book. The book. The book. Let me, let me tell you something. The Bible is not just another book. The Bible is the book. It is given through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I've been asked many times, now why, when, when, when are you writing a book? I've got enough material to write books. And I probably will. But the way I feel now is that the book has already been written. So whether I write the book or whether I don't write the book, it's immaterial. Because the truth of the matter is, the more books we write about my little testimony and, and what I see, you know, the fire and the glory, and, I, and the, I feel I've got a special revelation that's going to transform nations. The special revelation is already recorded in the Bible. Don't undermine the revelation of the Word of God. The Word of God above all things. The Word of God above all things. Any man's books. And, and, and by that, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not, I don't, I, I've, got, I've got two libraries of books. I've got lots of books. You know, I've got lots of books. My wife has read them all. I haven't. <laughs> it's wonderful to write your Ischenwit and, and whatever magazine. But let's ask God to give us a curiosity for His Word. Jesus says that men shall not live on bread alone but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's not just a book. It is divine revelation of God. It is God's love language to you. It's God's love letter to you. And when you read that book, ask God to give you revelation, and He will give you revelation. That your neighbor say, stop sinning. It's not just the sin of commission, because we know when you say you must stop drinking, or we, we say this to the, to the new converts. Now that you say stop drinking, stop smoking, stop clubbing, stop breathing. <laughs> That's sin of commission. And yes, you know, those things are bad habits that, 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 does something to our relationship with God and we need to avoid it. But there's the sin of omission. When you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Where there's a lack of obedience. I read a scripture this morning. I think it's found in Isaiah where the Bible says that you need not only to be obedient but also willing. Willing and obedient and you will eat the good of the land. Claim that for your life. It's a willing and it's an obedience. And the key here is not the good of the land because we, that's the focus many times. It is in the willingness and in the obedience. Hallelujah. Praise God. How much time do I have? If you guys are up there. Then <laughs> I, I know how it works. They first go up. And, and, and then the keyboard start, you know, and then the other sound comes in. And I know I'm in trouble when the drums also start. <laughs> so let's stand.
in the presence of the Lord. Are you blessed? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pastor Lanzal was saying we must receive the word of God with humility. We must receive the word of God with meekness. And we must mix it with faith. Jesus said, if you hear these words of mine, and you do them, you are like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. But if you hear these words of mine, and you don't do them, you are like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Both these houses experienced storms. The winds came, the gales forces came, and the house on sand collapsed. And the house on the rock stood firm. I want to ask you today if your life is firmly established on the rock called Jesus. And the only way that you can answer truthfully is your level of obedience to the word, your level of applying the word of God in your life. I know that some things are more difficult to apply than others. But let's take the word of God in humility and by faith accept it. Remember, faith is not just believing. Faith is doing what you believe. It's doing what you believe. James says, even demons believe and they tremble. But we don't just believe. We are those that do the word of God. If the Lord spoke to you through this message tonight and you want me to pray for you, just where you are, slip up your hands and I'll pray. Father, this morning you see the hand, or this evening you see the hands of your son and your daughters. You see exactly where they are at. You see the level of fruitfulness they are at. Some no fruit, some some fruit, some more fruit, some much fruit and some maybe lasting fruit but we believe tonight that you have chosen us that we are a chosen generation that we are an appointed people and we are appointed to bear lasting fruit we healed our hearts to you today we repent for our paralysis we repent for our excuses. And today, Father, we forget what is behind and we strain for what is ahead to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold of us. We come before you and we pray that you will take these hearts of ours. Remove that which is offensive in your sight. Make us steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, so that when we face the storms of this life, which is inevitable, that we will stand. And after we have done it all, that we will stand firm with the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, 
Our, shoe, our feet fitted with the shoes that comes with the readiness of preaching the gospel of peace. With the helmet of salvation. With the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith. That we will be girded because we are applying the word of God to our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now I pray, Father God, that we understand we cannot do this in and of ourselves. But we want to stand today on John chapter 7. That if you believe in me, Jesus says, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will gush forth from your inner man. We declare that we believe upon the Lord Jesus. We believe upon His sovereignty. We believe that He is the Christ, the, the Son of the living God. And now I pray, Lord, that the systems of our hearts and our lives will be opened up so that these streams can start flowing. Streams can start flowing. That others can drink of your water that flows from our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you right now for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name. Declare this after me. Say, tonight I declare. I rise up. I'm taking up my mat. And I walk. I walk in my destiny. I walk in my calling. I forget what is behind. I strain for what is ahead. My goal is maturity. My goal is fruitfulness. I will bear lasting fruit. That is my destiny. That is my call. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Let's give the Lord praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <coughs> praise God. It was so good to be with you tonight. But... Uh, before, before I end the meeting back to um, Pastor Lanzell, I um, just want to ask this question. Are you born again? The way you answer that question is the difference between life and death. The way you answer that question is the difference between heaven and hell. If you can live your life whichever way you live, want to live it. But ultimately, when we leave this world, we will stand before God. And the question that he's going to ask you is, what did you do with my son? Did you accept him or did you reject him? The Bible says that those who accept Jesus, those who believe upon his word, he has given them the power to be called children of God. You're not a child of God because you are a human being. You're not a child of God because you were born. You become a child of God when you are born again. Only when you are born again. And you get only born again by receiving Jesus and believing upon His name. The Bible says if you believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised you from the dead, you shall be saved. So your salvation is not dependent on your name being on the register of a church. No, your salvation is dependent upon the finished work of the cross, Jesus and Jesus alone. And so you are here today. I want to tell you something. There's one, many things that I regret in my life. But there's one thing that I will never regret. 
that is surrendering my life to him. I am who I am because of him. So if you are here and you say, tonight I want to make the decision, I want to be born again, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, if that is you, I would love to pray for you. Just where you are, just raise your hand, raise both your hands so that I can see it. If you say tonight, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to be born again, I want to be born again. Just raise both your hands so that I can see it. I see those hands. Thank you for that hand. Just, I see those hands. Just, just raise your hand if you want to be part of what we're going to do now. Just raise your hand quickly and say, if you say, you know, maybe you backslid and maybe you served God at one point and you went back into the world. Let me tell you something. Tonight is a good night to return to the Father. You left Him, but He never left you. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand just where you are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. One more time I'm going to ask you. If that is you, you say tonight I want to give my life to Jesus. This is your last time that I'm going to give you this opportunity. Just raise your hand quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Praise God. If your hands are raised, I want you to be bold now. I want you to get out of your pew and just come towards me. Just come. Don't, don't be afraid. Just come out of your pew. Come. Just come, come, just come. Come on, come, 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 come. Just come. Thank you, Jesus. Come. There you go. There you go. Just come. Just come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Can, can we just sing something once? Just, just, just one time. And, and, and while they are singing, if you also need to come, please come. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear my voice, do not hear my, do not harden your heart. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You have no guarantee of a tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. highlight of any service this is the reason why Jesus came he says he says I've come to seek and save the lost I, I want to tell you that the real heroes amongst us tonight are you guys that have responded to this call you have decided to step out of death into life you have decided to serve notice on the kingdom of darkness and tonight you say yes to the kingdom of light. And let me tell you, the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. 
what is happening tonight is a spiritual thing that is activated through a decision that you need to make. I also want to let you know that God forces nobody to come to Him. It is in an invitation. The cross is an invitation. It's an invitation. And tonight you have accepted that invitation. And I want to say to you that we're proud of you and well done. Well done. Well done. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. But please pray it with faith. Believing every word that we will pray now. Amen. I want you to lift your hands. And the reason why we lift our hands, I want you to, to know this. It's not like a policeman coming in here and he says, hold it, surrender, and now you raise your hand out of compulsion. But it's rather, it's rather like a father that's coming into the room and his son, his toddler sees him and he runs to his father and he, and he, and he lifts his hand so that his father can lift him up. We surrender to the love of God. When we lift our hands, we surrender to the love of God. Don't stop raising your hands. Even in worship, we raise our hands because we understand that worship in itself is a surrender to His love and to His eternal plan. So right now, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me by faith. Say, Father, I am a sinner. Today I come to you. I surrender my life to you. I believe with my heart. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you raised him from the dead. And I receive Jesus today. I believe upon his name. And by virtue of your word, I now declare that I am your child. I repent of my sin. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name. I now declare that I am born again. I declare that I am saved. I am your child and you are my father. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for redeeming me. I am yours, Lord, and you are mine. In Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, let's give God praise. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. I'm going to hand over to Pastor Natasha. Amen. Let's give um, Pastor Galen a God bless you. I want to invite all of you that's in front. I want to invite you to tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Come to the amazing race. Come to JD12 and, and please come. Don't, don't just go home. Come and join us. Come and join the family in the G12. Thank you. God bless you. Father God, I just pray, Father God, that you will bless everybody that is here tonight. Thank you, Father, for, for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for your word that went out, Father. Father God, I pray, Father, for each and every one that is here, that this seed that was sown in the word tonight will come up, Father, like a great harvest, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We praise your name. God bless you and keep you and surround you. Be blessed. Amen. Amen.